I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up? This your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. There's a lot happening these days. But I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters, without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. From UFOs to ghosts and government cover-ups, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. Let's kick this pig. Welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. And I am Ben. And this is Stuff They Don't Want You to Know. And today, we're talking about robots, y'all. Yeah, let's go back to uh, something that our listeners are probably asking themselves about, though, Matt. What? What? what there are, are probably a couple of you out there in uh, podcast land who say, wait, did Matt just start this episode by saying, kick this pig? Yeah, you got to kick the pig and get it started, man. Uh, once the pig starts rolling... Uh, you know, it's covered with grease, so you have to first catch up to it, which is incredibly difficult, and then fling okay. your body on top of it in hopes of perhaps wrangling it. I get the feeling that you and our super producer, Noel, shout out to Noel over there, uh, I get the feeling that you guys were maybe talking about something else off air, or is now, is kick the pig a thing we say now? Yeah, that's just, that's how we start the podcast, Ben. Oh. We've been doing it, have you not noticed? We do it every week. Perhaps it's my human frailties, Matt. Maybe that's why I'm, uh, maybe I'm slipping a little, you know? Oh no. Maybe we should be replaced with robots. No? I, I hope not. I mean, Noel's human, you're human, I'm human. Most, but not all of our listeners are human. Yeah, I do seem to recall an email from a few listeners that, I don't know, it didn't come across as human. Yeah. 
especially, you know, if you point out that you are writing in a very human way, then that makes you sound even less human, guys. <laughs> it's right up there with starting a sentence with the phrase, not to be creepy, but. Oh, that's the worst. I yeah. do it all the time. I mean, people, some people are really into creeping, I guess, and creeptitude. I do that in the elevator, by the way. You do that in the elevator? Yeah, How do you do just, it? If there's just one other person, uh huh, I'll say something like that. Not to be creepy, but I really like your shoes. <laughs> oh, mostly, mostly dudes too. Do you uh, really like do if, that? No. <laughs> you will now, though. Oh right? yeah, I'm gonna try it out when I leave today. So what? Uh, what we are talking about, Matt, as you said, it's the idea of robots and the idea that there could be a situation in which robots rule the world. Ladies and gentlemen, we're joking mostly, but it is true that. Uh, Matt and I, uh, Noel, certainly anybody who makes a podcast probably does have an audience that is not entirely human because there are programs that will listen uh, to your podcast for verification purposes, for sharing purposes, things like that. Um, we haven't, to our knowledge, received an email or a tweet from a robot yet. Not yet. And the same goes for video as well, mm -hmm. uh, just checking to see if your content matches any of these other things. Uh, it's kind of interesting how much automation mm -hmm. is going on. From It's really weird to think of it from a listening and viewing standpoint, that something is checking, watching, or oh, listening. Yeah. Uh -huh. That is not human. That mm. The old HAL 9000, I'm sorry, Matt, I can't let you do that. Yeah, right? you cannot publish this episode, for it contains a scene from The Matrix. So today we're going to, yeah, that's that's happened to us, folks. Uh, so today we're going to look at the idea of robots running the world. Uh, and to, to get to the present day world, we have to start with uh, the origin of the idea of robots, right? That's right, Ben. It goes all the way back to the ancient world, back to 270 B.C., when a Greek engineer named Ctesibus. Yeah, I don't. I, I had to take a guess at that one as well. Ctesibius? Ctesibius, that's it. Uh, C-T-E-S-I-B-I-U-S. Uh, he made these organs of that were made with water and clocks and these movable figurines. You can see some of this stuff uh if you look it up online. Right. We know that humans have been able to build complex movie machines for thousands of years. A great example would be the Antikythera mechanism. Oh, yeah. Man, that thing's fascinating. Isn't it weird? It's uh, this astronomical calculating machine, you know, entirely mechanical, uh, quite complex from what we can figure in the reconstructions, right, that people have attempted to do. So we know that ancient man was not just smacking rocks together and making up stories about why the sun sets. We know that ancient man was capable of building sophisticated uh, machines that a lot of people today couldn't build. And we had something like robots philosophically before we had the word robot uh, in the notes, I, I, I did something kind of crappy here, and I put, many of the ancient know-it-alls called the concept <laughs> automata, automata, which means just self-operating machine. Oh, yeah, and they were hugely popular. Uh, the hero of Alexandria was famous for his part um, for working in this field, mm. and 
again, if you go online, check, look up the word automata. It just, it's just auto and then M-A-T-A. And you can see some of these old, they are machines and some of them are so elaborate. Sure. Like the, the court machines where they would mm-hmm. have someone who appeared to be pouring tea or playing a violin. Some of those are still around and I think they're creepy. You know, that's what you say in the elevator, right? You say, yeah. not to be creepy, but may I show you my automaton? Oh, yeah, I wouldn't want to do that. Yeah, plus it sounds kind of like a euphemism. Right, and Hero of Alexandria wasn't the only person doing this. There were also people like the Greek mathematician Architas of Tarentum, which I am probably grossly mispronouncing. Um, if I recall correctly, he built a little mechanical bird. Oh, Excellent. Another example of automata would be, do you remember the old Clash of the Titans films with the claymation mm-hmm. and stuff in the seventies? Um, was it, was it that one or it was one of the Greek films where they had this magic golden owl? Oh, I know what you're talking remember about. Remember that guy? Yes. And I can't recall if it's that film it or Sinbad? not. <laughs> oh man, that was a great, that's a great example of the idea of what it would mm-hmm. have looked like. Um, so, I don't know if you've noticed, but we haven't, up until this point, used the word robot in our research. And that's because it was first used uh, in 1921 in this play called Rosam's Universal Robots, or R-U-R, by a Czech writer named Carol Kapik. Then in 1941, Isaac Asimov, he used the word robotics to describe this kind of same technology. And he is one of the guys that predicted the rise of of this robotic industry. Ah, the world in which we live today. It's it's weird, Matt, because we've often talked about, um, I don't know if any of this made it on the air, but we've often talked about how much influence these visionaries, these futurists or science fiction writers can end up having on the world around us. Uh, funny fact, ladies and gentlemen, that not once, but multiple times in U.S. history, the U.S. government has contacted science fiction writers and said, uh, guys... Here's your security clearance. Mm-hmm. Uh, hypothetically, <laughs> hypothetically, if A happened, what would we do? Oh uh, yeah, sure. Yeah. You need the visionary. You can't you can't accomplish anything unless you have someone thinking up the ideas. Yeah, and Asimov, as it turns out, was right. Oh he, yeah, he called it, and we live in a real life version of some science fictiony stories. Right? Uh, we have robots. Everywhere, not as widespread as advertisements yet. Yes, but, and on, uh, on v- yeah. widely differing scales mm-hmm. of robotics, uh, from the very, very simple to the extremely complex. Right. But robots, if you're going to be called a robot, you've got to have a few things in common, or a few, a few things that make you a robot. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, uh, they all have, what's an example? Well, you got to have some kind of moving apparatus, moving body of sorts. Points of articulation Mm -hmm. and things like that, yeah. And the second main thing is some kind of power source so that whatever it is, whatever you are as a robot, can function by yourself. That makes sense, too. Now, when we talk about robotics and when we talk about robots running the world, what we're really talking about is artificial intelligence, right? Mm -hmm. Um, this, This is the idea of a sentience of some sort made by human beings or maybe just made by throwing a bunch of uh, math 
together in one conceptual pool the same way that a bunch of proteins or amino acids or whatever were thrown together in some primordial ooze, and that from this somehow will arrive uh, a version of life. Yeah, uh, self-awareness, and that that is the key, right? Mm-hmm. At what point... The, the scary thing is when the machine goes, oh, I'm a machine, mm-hmm. and I can do X. Yeah, or uh, there was a story that uh, you and I had talked about, which uh, there's a spoiler alert. Um, there's a moment in this story where somebody's searching on the net for something, and instead of asking if she spelled it correctly, mm-hmm. the the thing on the other side of the search engine asks her why she, she's searching for it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that one's a little weird. We like sci-fi as well, too. But so what what we know here is that in some ways, artificial intelligence can already outthink human beings, but not in all ways. The, the way that a ro- robot would end up ruling the world, quote unquote, is if there were AI of some sort that was across the board outperforming human beings. Bar none. And Matt, let's talk about what robots and their less corporeal sibling artificial intelligence do today. But first, uh, we have a word from our sponsor, and this one is for all you mechanical listeners out there. One zero zero one zero zero. Zero one 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 zero one zero one zero one zero zero zero. One. One. One zero 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 one zero one zero one zero one zero zero one. Zero one 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 zero zero one one zero one 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 zero one zero one. One zero. One zero. One zero one zero one 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 zero one one zero zero one zero zero one 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 zero zero one one zero one 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 zero 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 one 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 zero one zero one 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 zero one zero one zero 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 a division of illumination global unlimited I'm Katya Adler host of the global story over the last 25 years I've covered conflicts in the Middle East political and economic crises in Europe drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs, on-demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position, warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, Podcast producer? Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With their easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. Visit snagajob.com or text snag to 2424 Two four to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. 
Top Thrill 2 is like no other course. Two 420-foot vertical speedways, three launches. All right, let's talk strategy. Copy that, driver. Go for maximum acceleration off the start. Measure that. You've got a short straightaway to push from 0 to 74 on the first vertical speedway. And what about the rollback? Rollback will set you up for an explosive reverse climb 420 feet in the sky so you reach 0 Gs in total weightlessness. 420 feet of straight-up speed. Let's get it. Top Thrill 2, the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch Stratocoaster. Get your tickets at cedarpoint.com. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Huh. You know, that's, uh, it's weird. It's not for our demographic, I guess. Yeah, I, something was lost in translation for me, at least. Um, yeah, somebody got something out of it. Sure, yeah. Was it a product? The computer got really excited. I, you know, I think it was because it sounded like that was legalese at the end. That's what I thought I heard. Uh, at least it went really fast. Well, Illumination Global Unlimited has rarely led us wrong, so we'll just have to trust them on that one. Uh, and now that we're back, ladies and gentlemen, it's time for us to talk about robots today. What do they actually do? Well, probably more than you would expect. Uh, well, maybe. Let's talk about a couple of things. How about housekeeping? House cleaning? Who, who cleans up your house when you leave? Hmm. Oh, wait, it's my little Roomba. Oh, man, I love Roombas. I want one so bad, and I want to hack it to some remote controls and then strap stuff to it and Dude, you know, uh, see, I have two dogs and I'm worried about how they would react to a Roomba going around mm. during the day when I'm not home. Oh, that's right. I uh, I'm afraid I would come home and find a dead Roomba. Uh, but I don't know. Maybe not. <laughs> maybe they make uh, uh, extreme Roombas or maybe mm. they form an alliance oh. and then have some. They just <laughs> my smaller dog just rides the Roomba around, which uh, like our mention of the mathematician who is building automata in the ancient world, uh, that reference with animals and machines working together is going to come back into play. But we also know, of course, everybody knows that robots are huge in manufacturing. Oh, yeah. They're making all your big things, mm-hmm. all your cars. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm trying to think of something else in particular. Uh, just machine parts. Doors, uh, I would say that door frames, a lot of woodworking mm. has some kind of uh, mechanical process to it. High-end electronics as well. Uh, there are other places where we use robots because they are dangerous. Uh, they're dangerous situations for a human being. That would be something like bomb disposal. Oh, yeah. You've seen, you've seen those. And even SWAT teams now in the U.S. have robots. Mm. Some of them do. Which can, they, admittedly, they look kind of goofy, but they get the job done. Yeah. They're not built to look cool while they're doing it. Yeah, you can just replace uh, an arm if one of them gets shot off. We also use robots for uh, navigation, or maybe that's more likely that we use AI for sure. navigation of some sort. Yeah, remember that we're talking about both of those uh, together and sometimes separately mm-hmm. in this episode. Yeah. Um, then you've got unmanned vehicles, Ooh. which are a fun combination of both in some cases, usually it's just an automated machine that's then controlled by a human, uh-huh. like the, uh, well, not like that one. I was going to say like the Predator drones, 
or, you know, something oh, like, like that. Oh, like unmanned aerial mm-hmm. vehicles. Yeah. Which is, I guess, in a way a robot. It's got a, a moving missile system. It's not quite the same. Well, yeah, but it's it's got an engine and it has a computer on board capable of making calculations. Uh, it has moving parts. So, but then you've got things like that that have AI in them, ah. like the X thirty seven B that we've talked about before, the automated space shuttle that's uh, it's self controlled. Yeah, uh, it's automated, reusable, um, secret. Uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, but then, of course, the, the drones that we spoke about. Mm-hmm. I gotta say, I love the idea of the X-37B. What's it doing up there? You know, it's like the, uh, it's like when we found out about the Corona satellite program. Oh, yeah. And we started, you guys, we didn't get in trouble for this one, but we weren't sure if we would get away clean because, uh, Matt and I, uh, a while back, we found some evidence that you can teach yourself to track spy satellites. Yes. And there was a bit of a pushback um, by certain government agencies when they found out that that could happen. Not against us, but no, against, no, no. against the people who had figured out how to do We this. would never. Yeah, but you can't classify the sky. Looking at the sky is something that everyone can do at this point. Not yet, Ben. Not yet. Until Wait till there's a security clearance so high <laughs> that you cannot be organic to have oh, it. Oh, man. Only and then... Oh, God. Okay. So let's, let's come back down to earth. Uh, back down there. To earth. There are also automated other vehicles that mm-hmm. drive on roads. Oh, autonomous cars. Good call. And your show, Car Stuff, has talked about that mm-hmm. a few times. Yeah. We've talked about, we've been tracing the evolution of autonomous cars for the length of the show at this point. And we also, uh, let's see, Scott, my co-host on Car Stuff, teamed up with Jonathan on Tech Stuff to talk a little bit more about autonomous cars and uh, whether or not you're a fan of it, ladies and gentlemen, it probably is coming to a highway near you. You think it's going to be the new system of private automobiles? Eventually, yeah. Wow. Yeah, eventually. Um, for numerous reasons. But uh, we've got some other stuff that happened. I think in 2010, the first self-replicating robot was built at Cornell University. Um, then we have another even cooler. The coolest, perhaps, I think thus perhaps, far. Yeah. A robot that, you know, goes to Mars and then hangs out on Mars for a long period of time. And takes selfies. Okay, yeah, it does <laughs> do that. <laughs> but it also vaporizes material to figure mm. out the chemical compounds that are in there. It's really awesome. And then there are uh, DARPA robot soldiers where one of my friends is uh, scared of robots, Matt. And so what I like to do is every so often I'll send him a YouTube video of a outdated DARPA robot mm-hmm. test, you know. The big dogs and all that. Yeah, the big dog, which looks like some weird puppetry thing. Mm-hmm. And it still doesn't fall over. It's surprising. And then Petman the, is still the scariest, I think. Yeah, yeah, Petman... It's scary because it looks more human. Well, it's a look, it looks a lot like a Terminator, man. They, they <laughs> must not watch films. I, I don't understand. It's really scary. And by the way, we made a collaboration with All Time Conspiracies on that subject on some of the DARPA robots and killer robots. So yeah. if you get a chance, check that out. All Time Conspiracies. I think it's called Do Killer Robots Exist? Mm-hmm. Spoiler alert. Uh, Yeah, but we love working with All Time, and uh, if you, for some reason, haven't checked out their show yet, then uh, 
please check him out. Uh, there's another thing we'll explore here, as you said, Matt, and that is the state of artificial intelligence today. Uh, not to bury the lead, but in some ways, artificial intelligence has already surpassed the abilities of most human beings. Yeah, there are several examples here. Mm-hmm. Um, one is Deep Blue, which is an AI that went up against a chess master. Forget the year that that happened. Mm-hmm. It was Kasparov. Though. Yeah, and did he win? Uh, they had a series of games. Yeah, okay. They had more than one game, and we know that Deep Blue did win. Um, like it did yeah, really well. I think they went to a draw. Then they It was neck and neck. It was definitely a John Henry moment. And then we remember IBM's Watson computer. Mm-hmm. Uh, Just destroyed it on Jeopardy. Mm-hmm. Noel, you'd say he went hard on the paint on Jeopardy, right? Okay. Got the null, the null nod, uh, the, the fabled prize null nod. Uh, there's another idea here with AI, and it's the idea of intelligent agents. This would be a little bit simpler. It's, it's a modular system where, wherein the program just perceives its environment and it just takes actions to increase its chances for success, however success is defined. Ooh. So it can be really simple and, um, and what we're finding is that today, professional roboticists are working much more closely with mathematicians, just like the guys in the ancient world, uh, to solve some of the most difficult problems for robots, by which we mean both the physical stuff and the, the mental stuff. And, and we have a list of the kind of things that robots at present stink at doing. Yeah. Well, the biggest one is the thing that we call common sense. Um, and that's just reasoning and qualification of problems. So, uh, it's basically listing all the possible preconditions for success for any given thing, any given task. Oh yeah, that's the, uh, qualification problem. Like how can you, if a, if a robot or an AI program does exactly what it's told to do, uh, then how can you list all of the conditions mm-hmm. that it will ever run into? From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, Somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a job is the all in one solution for hiring high quality employees who can cover all your needs on demand, temp to hire part time or full time. You name the position warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop. Podcast producer? Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With their easy to use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snag a Job is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. Visit snagajob.com or text snag to 2424. Two four to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. 
Rev up your thrills this summer at Cedar Point on the all-new Top Thrill 2. Drive the sky on the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch vertical speedway. And now, for a limited time, get more Cedar Point fun for less with our limited-time bundle for just $49.99. Get admission, parking, and all-day drinks for one low price. But you better hurry, because this bundle won't last long. Save now at cedarpoint.com. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the campaign moment right now, wherever you're listening. I was watching a video, and it was on this program that was learning how to play old, old, old video games. And what it did is analyze the pixels on the screen. And basically, you would have to just watch the video game play out and die like the character that it was playing would just die over and over and over until it realized, oh, well, this pixel needs to be here and over here, and I need to avoid when this this color pixel comes through. And it started to master fairly simple games like Breakout, uh-huh. it, but it could it figured out how to, and again, this is an AI that's just running and learning. Uh, it figured out how to master Breakout to where it would send the little ball up to the top and knock out all of the... Um, all of the little tiles that way. Uh-huh. And then it started playing games like the little shooter games where you're flying in an airplane like 1942. Yeah. But it mastered them where it wouldn't die. It could beat the game. It would just go through and win. And that is the potential we can do here. That's one of the things that can be difficult for robots as well is to acquire new skills. Mm-hmm. But the idea of acquiring new skills can be a little deceptive. It's a rabbit hole. It's a bunch of Matryoshka dolls or whatever, because if your skill that you are programmed to do is to learn to play games based on positions of pixels, then are you really acquiring a new skill or are you simply following that kind of programming, right? Yeah, exactly. And uh, I think that's a that's an interesting thing. Another thing that we're doing that is difficult for robot is that you and I and, and you out there, listeners, are holding conversations of sorts. Mm-hmm. Do you remember when Cleverbot first came out? Oh, yeah. Dude, <laughs> I, I still spend some time on Cleverbot every once in a while. Cleverbot has become uh, just so much nicer in a lot of ways. Uh, originally, Cleverbot was sort of agitated. Well, yeah, when it was really popular and it was just little kids in there just railing curse words at it and insulting it. What is Cleverbot? Cleverbot is, I guess it's just a program that you type in a little text, ask it a question perhaps, and it responds to you. Mm-hmm. And it responds to you with a combination of things that have been given to it, input into it. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> it's pretty interesting what you can get out. And it doesn't, a lot of times it's, it doesn't respond to the question that you're asking in the way that you would expect at all. Right, yeah, and it used to be very, very combative, but it's become yeah. a little bit nicer as it has, uh, as it gathers more data, right? I want to see Cleverbot when it's in its 80s, you know, yeah. or like maybe 70s. Oh, the outdated slang alone. Let's well, yeah. hacking it. <laughs> well, it just doesn't want to do anything anymore. It's kind of tired. It yeah. just doesn't want, and it's like, ah, oh, you're so cranky. 
every answer will be YOLO. <laughs> so Cleverbot was built to pass the Turing test, which we mm-hmm. have we have talked about in some other shows as well. Another thing that robots and AI have a difficult time doing is lying, deceiving yeah. effectively. Um, but that, along with the next one, I think will be uh, will not be weak points of AI pretty soon. Uh, the big example we have here is the ability to anticipate human actions. You know, humans being at times irrational, given to outbursts of joy and sorrow and violence and kindness. Uh, we can be kind of tough to read for, you know, your average everyday Joe Schmo robot. Yeah, but to be fair, we do follow patterns pretty pretty closely a lot of times. And that, my friend, is the big, big point, right? Because what we're learning with the arrival of big data and the correlation methods and the smarter and smarter and more sophisticated models for sorting all that crap is that this might one day be the deciding factor for robotic or artificial intelligence superiority because they may just be able to to predict the uh, future so much so that it appears to be magic. Oh, yeah, especially if you have enough data point, points on every single individual, the way we're beginning to gather data points on every human. Mm-hmm. Just take the the new Apple Watch that's coming out, all the different data points that are going to be gathered on you. Yeah. That's, uh, hmm. I don't know that I like it. <laughs> Matt, you are visibly uncomfortable talking about the Apple Watch. Uh, <laughs> let's go ahead and, you know, at some point we need to bust the myth about Ello as well. Uh, mm-hmm. what, we'll see how that works out forward to the future. That's where we're going. Will Moore's Law hold up? Anyone who's not familiar with Moore's Law, that's the one that states uh, computer capacity will double every 18 months. And so it's exponential, right? It just gets bigger and bigger and bigger mm-hmm. and fast. And it seems like it's getting faster and faster because it's doubling. Right. So will that happen with the growth of artificial intelligence? I love that pixel example because that robot teaching itself, right, to mm-hmm. uh, navigate through this world uh, based on pixel position, it dies all the time, it starts off really slow and then quickly becomes a flawless, you know, mm-hmm. god mode, video game player, breakout and stuff. Uh, this leads us to... um an interesting comparison because a lot of the stuff that we read now, you know, Matt, you and I originally were going to spend just a week on the stock market, but because of high frequency trading, we made it two weeks. And, uh, that, that's something that we don't always do. But what we discovered while we were looking into this question, will robots run the stock market? Will they rule the world? We found that what's much more likely to happen is not just robots ruling the world, but some sort of cybernetic symbiosis. Yeah, where an algorithm is run Mm -hmm. uh, somehow by a human Mm -hmm. agent of some sort, but all the bulk of the work will be done and kind of already is right now being done by math, by algorithms, by a machine and a computer that just can do it with such speed that a human never could. Right. And then having a human there as point person for the, uh, decisions that robots can't do so well yet. It's, it's, uh, it's interesting because it reminds me 
of the story about mitochondria. And there's a, there's a really strange thing that mitochondria can, I guess, at least figuratively or anecdotally, uh, tell us about the relationship between people and machines or the potential relationship of people and machines in the future. Mitochondria, according to some pretty compelling research, wasn't always part of your cells or my cells. Originally, mitochondria argue several experts, it was a free-living bacteria, and it just got buddy-buddy with uh, cells. So buddy-buddy, in fact, that now it's in all of your cells, and it's a good thing it's there. It's spruced up the neighborhood, and it's providing power for each of your cells. It's not a freeloader, right? Uh, yeah, there's symbiosis there. And I wonder how, if at all, that can inform our ideas about... uh how robots and humans will interact. Will humans become the mitochondria in the cell? Will robots? One day there's going to be a podcast where there are two AI systems uh, having a conversation together, and they're going to be going, humans weren't always a part of the robotic, or, I don't know, brains. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Neurons were not always a part of the robotic mother, but now blah, blah, blah. Right, yeah, I'm (laughs) sure. I I, uh, hope that they still make the same bad jokes that we do. Uh, Uh, They're probably better than us at bad jokes. They're highly calculated. They're highly calculated. Well, we don't have that going on. and But what we do have here is um, an interesting thing that we wanted just to take some more time to look at. And I know that we haven't really been talking that much about conspiracy theories right Mm. here because what we're talking about is a very strange and surprisingly possible future uh, wherein human evolution changes because we have the tools that we have created become dependent on they started dependent on us but then we become a new thing together to me that is mind-blowing and a little bit frightening and it brings us to uh, today's news story. Oh, yes. Yeah, can we get some news story music? A new study suggests that there may be a small amount of life after death. Now, Matt, this comes via the Telegraph. Uh, they reported that the University of Southampton examined over 2,000 people who suffered cardiac arrest in the United Kingdom, the U.S., and Austria. People that were studied death experiences, and a few had near-death experiences, 330. They interviewed 140 of them, and what they found was that these people described some kind of awareness during the time they were clinically dead and before their hearts had restarted. And here's the craziest part. One of the patients recalled leaving his body, watching his resuscitation from the corner of the room, and described this stuff accurately after his brain activity had ceased and they resuscitate him brain kicks back in heart kicks back in it's a miracle and this stuff was apparently independently verified this is an enormously controversial study we just got news about it today but matt what if there's life after death uh great <laughs> awesome yay finally i've been wanting to know the answer to that question my whole life Ever since I came into this weird dimension. <laughs> Are you a robot? What? No, no, no. All right. No. no. All right. Well, I've got an eye on you here. Uh, 
you know, Noel made an interesting comparison about this too earlier when he said, uh, when he said maybe it's similar to being decapitated, right? Uh, with the idea that you still have some sort of consciousness for time after your head is lopped off. Maybe this is some sort of intangible version of that, right? Yeah, but with no brain activity, it just seems impossible. And we mentioned this when we were talking earlier. Uh, what did you say? It was 2% of mm-hmm. the people could accurately? Yeah, yeah. 2% to me, I'm going to be skeptical at this point. Okay, uh, 2% have what they would call vivid recollection. Okay, okay. Wow, that's really interesting. But I guess just what I was saying earlier was that, you know, a lot of people watch stuff on television where you kind of see what a resuscitation looks like. Right. Good point. Um, Clear. Yeah. So maybe you could accurately uh, with quotes there. Yeah. That's an interesting word. Accurately. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I mean, maybe you would just know what it looked like, but still that they had that memory if if they're being truthful, um, because as we know, humans can lie. Mm. Um, That's amazing, dude. And what do you think, listeners? Let us know about this latest piece of news. Is it bunk? Does it add up? Will it change the world or just make a good week for the papers reporting it? <laughs> Which both are possibilities. So, hey, yeah, we heard what some of you said, and we've got a particular piece of mail that we'd like to read really fast, if that's cool with you. This message comes from Dan C. He wrote to us via email. Thanks, Dan. Mm -hmm. He says, Hi, I recently discovered your podcast two weeks ago, and I love it. I decided to write to you for two reasons. The first is to thank you for all the great shows. You're welcome, sir. And thank you for thinking they're great. I mean, that's really kind. We have our ups and downs. (laughs) (laughs) That's how we view it. But we appreciate it very much. So so, Dan. yeah. The second is to ask you if you're interested in a true story about an astral projection experiment that went wrong and some of the conclusions that can be drawn from that. And he puts uh, in here just as a caveat, no drugs were used during the experiment. Well, Dan, I'm certainly interested. Ben, are you interested? Yeah, in I'm into it. But uh, what don't you think we should check with the listeners? Yeah. Hey, guys, do you want to know more about Dan's experiment that went wrong with astral projection. Have you guys ever tried astral projection? Um, I I would admit here that I have attempted mm-hmm. uh, several times, along with some lucid dreaming experiments, that didn't go wrong, but they just weren't very effective for me. So while you're letting us know about that, too, uh, we have an announcement. We're doing a Halloween special, so write to us with your spooky stories. Long-time listeners, you may recall uh, that Matt and I were lucky enough to do, uh, with Noel, a dramatic reading of a listener's ghost story, and we would like to do one or more in our Halloween special. So write to us with your scary stories, as well as your thoughts on astral projection. Oh, yeah, and make them super scary. Yeah, like disturbing yeah definitely (laughs) so so thank you again dan for writing in and thank you everybody else who's been writing to us we read every single one um and you know stay tuned guys contact us on facebook you can find us on twitter we are at conspiracy stuff uh if you know you're on twitch i'm hanging out on there a lot lately that's true he is um conspiracy stuff if you see me on there let's chat and also check out our website stuff they don't want you to know It's got all of our audio podcasts. These, you might be listening to it right now on it. 
And if your question is, where the heck do I send my uh, scary Halloween story, then we have an answer for you. The address is conspiracy at HowStuffWorks.com. For more on this topic and other unexplained phenomena, visit TestTube.com slash Conspiracy Stuff. You can also get in touch on Twitter at the handle at Conspiracy Stuff. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Dealing with pests can be a pain, but relax. Terminix can help. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. With over 95 years of experience, they have what it takes to take on any pest problem fast. If your home or business has pests, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com. Rev up your thrills this summer at Cedar Point on the all-new Top Thrill 2. Drive the sky on the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch vertical speedway. And now, for a limited time, get more Cedar Point fun for less with our limited-time bundle for just $49.99. Get admission, parking, and all-day drinks for one low price. But you better hurry, because this bundle won't last long. Save now at cedarpoint.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.